We want to explore all sports and competitions on a deeper level in order to understand the less mainstream topics and events. We here at Deep Dive Sports not only want you to walk away having learned something, but for us to have learned something new as well. Now don't get us wrong, we will do our best to cover the big events, but our main goal is to give you a different perspective on some of the overlooked sports and competitions across the globe. We hope you're ready to learn, laugh, and have fun because we are excited to bring you this podcast. Please sit back, relax, and dive deep into these topics with us. Hello there, and welcome back to another great episode of Deep Dive Sports. Today, we are talking about the Women's National Basketball Association, or WNBA. So here is a brief history of the WNBA. The WNBA was created in April of 1996 by the NBA commissioner, David Stern, who retired back in 2014. They wouldn't start play until fall of 1997. The league currently consists of 12 teams located in Atlanta, Chicago, Connecticut, Dallas, Indiana, Las Vegas, and a few more. And now we'll move on to, is there any difference between how the NBA is run and the WNBA is run? Nick, would you like to start? A few differences that I'm just going to note is that there are a difference in the amount of players that are required for each roster. On an NBA roster, you have to have a minimum of 12 players on a roster, but you can have a maximum of 15. On a WNBA roster, you can only have 12 players, no less, no more. And then there is a difference in draft age. So with the NBA, you can be drafted in as as early as 19. Obviously, you have to spend one year at the collegiate level or something as equal, whether that's overseas or now they have the developmental G League. And then in the WNBA, you have to be 22 years of age to be drafted. All right. So another difference between the NBA and WNBA is salary. And I think this is one of the biggest differences. So in the NBA, there's a salary cap on how much each team is able to spend on their team. Um, But there's no cap on how much a player could make. Whereas in the WNBA, there's actually a salary maximum where no player can make over $110,000 a year. So when comparing salaries, I mean, I think the league minimum in the NBA is... 500,000, but the max salary in the WNBA is 110. So there's a quite a discrepancy in uh, pay with the two leagues. Another big difference is only four teams make the playoffs in each conference. And that's really because there's only 12 teams. You don't want to have, you know, every team make the playoffs. So their playoffs are, you know, short, sweet, and to the point. I would like to cover more like how the entire league is run. So obviously there is definitely the pay difference in the draft age, like both Nick and Dom mentioned, but also there's a slight difference in the way they play the game. However, I want to focus on how the teams are owned or were owned at one point. When the WNBA was first created in 1997, it was initially created as a single entity league. Now, for those who do not know what a single entity means... A single entity means that the owners do not own a single team, but they own a share of the company instead. For a more modern example, this would be the Major League Soccer, or MLS. As the league's popularity grew, it became more like the NBA in the sense that the league became more privately owning the franchises instead, 
where the team is owned by a single share owner acting as the majority owner with a chance of other owners acting as a minority owner. Now, to move on, we'll be answering the question, or at least giving our opinions on, whether or not the WNBA will ever reach the popularity of the NBA and kind of give a brief reason why or why not. So I don't think the WNBA will ever reach the popularity of the NBA, at least right now. Things could change down the road, but the way that the NBA is already such a a big league and is already so established and so popular and generates billions of dollars every year is kind of hard to compete with that. So just financially, I don't know if the WNBA will ever be able to compete with the NBA, even though they kind of work side by side. They're both different entities. Honestly, I kind of flat out disagree with you. I think that obviously we'll get into it a little bit earlier, but we lost two people last year that would have been big champions for the WNBA. They would have been big figureheads within the organization that could have helped propel the WNBA to a point where it could have been reaching heights that we haven't seen it before. Within the next 20 years, we could have seen it maybe not be as profitable as the NBA, but at least be pretty close, if not as popular as the NBA. When you're talking about player popularity, team popularity, those kinds of things. I think, unfortunately, what the WNBA is lacking is more of a star power face of the league. Obviously, you have your Atlanta Deladons, you have your Brittany Griners, and they're good. They're really good players. You've seen them kind of play against some of, you know, the NBA players, and and, and they've put them, they've put, they've put work on them. But at the end of the day, they're just not as big as names as LeBron or as Kevin Durant or Luka Doncic. So they they really need someone to be their big name person in that league. And with Sabrina, I think it's Sabrina Nescu, she kind of came out of college last year and they were kind of hoping that she would be that big figurehead going forward. And she definitely impressed with within her first season. But I don't know if she could reach the heights of some of the other people that we might have been getting in the next eight years that we're going to go into, into the WNBA. So again, just to kind of wrap it up, I do think eventually it will it will reach the popularity of the NBA. I don't know if it'll ever catch up financially wise, just because the NBA has had its its head start. I think two things are kind of holding the league back. Um, one, you might be turning away some potential players with the draft age being higher. You know, there's colleges and for everybody. So I mean, if, you know, you're kind of forcing potential players in the WNBA to kind of go to college or kind of wait three, four years, you know, they're going to find something else in their life gets in the way. And then they don't go back to the, they don't go back to playing basketball or if they can lower the draft age to 19, like the NBA, you know, you're going to have a greater talent pool to, to choose from and develop stars. But then I think kind of style of play, you know, the WNBA is a little bit more slow paced. It's not as, you know, full court, you know, three, three point shooting. I, I, I disagree. Kinda, with you. I mean, when, when you, when you watch the WNBA today, yes, I will agree with you in the past, women's basketball has been more of a methodically slow planned out game, but it's, it's not really that way anymore. It's very much more fast paced. It's very, it's very much more high scoring. I mean, even, even when we look at collegiate basketball, men's and women's, they, they both score low points. They're, they're not really high scoring games when you look at the collegiate level. And it's transitioned over into WNBA, WNBA where they, they are scoring at a higher level at this point. And to kind of go off your point of, of the age thing, it's like, 
I I can agree with you if if they had big name players to hold down the fort. But the problem is, is they they need they need those players in college to build their name and build their brand over those three years. So when they get into the WNBA, they're established as they already have a following and then they can kind of hit the ground running. And then but they also need to allow time for those players that are already in the WNBA to gain their stardom and to gain their following. You know what I mean? It's it's hard. It's hard for them to find a face of the league if they're constantly bringing in new talent every single year. And also, they only have they only have twelve players to a roster. It's not like they have fifteen. I know it doesn't sound like a big difference in three players, but it 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 is a huge difference. And then they also don't have a developmental league underneath them. So so having that having those young people come in every single year that aren't maybe developed or don't have the following, I don't think that would help them in the long run. Maybe fifteen years down the road, that would be a good idea, but not at this point. I kind of agree with both of your points in that I think that it can eventually get to the popularity of the NBA. However, kind of like what Nick said, it would definitely need someone that was extra special, essentially their version of LeBron, Michael, or Kobe, because it could definitely hold its own, especially considering modern technology like Nick was kind of alluding to in the sense of following. And if I were to give it in terms of how soon, like within like a timeline, I would say probably the next five to 10 years. To kind of move on to the next point, and Nick kind of alluded to this a little earlier, how has the loss of Kobe and his daughter Gigi impacted the growth of the WNBA? I'm going to start this off by saying that in no way, shape, or form are we diminishing the fact that they lost their lives by comparing it to the growth of a sport. But their involvement within women's athletics across the country is and was huge. Their impact, their the way that they went about doing things, the way that they supported it, the way that they approached pushing it forward to the next step was and will forever be huge. Unfortunately, with their passing, Gigi not being able to move on to that next level and be that figurehead within the WNBA I do believe that, that that did hurt their their growth in a way because she would have been a, that big name star that they're looking for, especially with her father there behind her being on the sidelines and everything. I mean, we know that the NBA players today, they talk a big game. They say, hey, go watch the games. But I mean, really, if you tune into a game, how many of them are sitting courtside watching a game? They do sometimes, but it's not super prevalent. So Kobe would have been super involved in that. And I think that would have helped propel the sport. You know what I mean? Now they're kind of looking for that, that person to that next person to step up. Yeah. And kind of going off of uh, what you said, Nick, obviously it's a tragic loss, but I think its effects really won't be felt for a couple of years yet, just because, you know, after Kobe retired, he became the uh, coach of his daughter's middle school team. And he was, you know, involved in a lot of youth camps and, developing like the next generation of basketball players. And I'm sure they were looking to Kobe and uh, Gigi as kind of like role models, you know, something to kind of aspire to. And, um, you know, now that they're gone, I think it's really going to affect women's basketball on on the more youth level uh, because with how Kobe was so involved in developing youth basketball, I think 
the the effects of the loss of Kobe and his daughter won't be felt for a number of years yet. Just because you know women's basketball players that are already in college, they're they're already have their aspirations of going into the WNBA. But someone that's the age uh, the Gigi was or or younger, you know they have their whole life ahead of them. Their life can go in a bunch of different directions. Not having someone like Kobe to kind of guide them toward WNBA, you know, I think the the effects can be tremendous. Kind of like what Nick and myself mentioned before, the league needed its version of Kobe, Michael, or LeBron. And Gigi could have very much been that once-in-a-lifetime player, much like her father, to kind of move on. Is there anyone else that you can see stepping into that role that Kobe and Gigi had? Or do you think there is someone who should or that you would want to take up this role? When looking at current NBA players, the one that really sticks out to me is LeBron. One, you got the name recognition. I mean, it's LeBron James. Everybody knows who he is. But he's also heavily involved in the community, both Akron, L.A. He's really involved in you know, youth camps, especially um, with his kids and kind of developing kind of like Kobe, the next generation of future NBA NBA players. And um, I think WNBA players as well, you know, kids look up to someone like LeBron, they see him as a role model. So if he focuses more on, you know, basketball at the youth and de- like developmental level, I, I think he could, I think he can be a major help in the growth of the WNBA. I, I think it was always going to be a collective effort. I do think that Kobe and Gigi had the opportunity, like David said, to create that once-in-a-lifetime player moment. Like Gigi was a phenomenal basketball player, even in her youth. And she was growing to be, like, like again, David said, that once-in-a-lifetime player that we would have seen, like her father. And in some regards, maybe she could have even been better. I think even if they were still here today, that it still would have had to been a little bit more of a collective effort, but it has to be even more of a collective effort now. So you, you need the LeBrons, you need the Steph Currys, you need, you know, Kevin Durant and Chris Paul. Those, those guys need to step up, you know, in, in their retirement, they need to go be sitting courtside. They need to help develop young women across this country and give them and give them a lane to learn basketball at a high level and play basketball at a high level. And they need to use their, you know, obviously influence in in doing such. And that's, I think that would be the, the greatest asset that the WNBA would have is that our NBA stars today would have a huge role in, in their league in the future. But it, it's going to be it, it's going to be hard to to find somebody to step in the role that Gigi would have had. It's going to be hard to find another once in a lifetime talent like that. If a bunch of people can come together and put their efforts in to create that same environment, then I, I do think that that would help propel the WNBA forward. I don't know if anyone could ever step into those roles. So I don't know as of right now, but at the very least, if I had to kind of guess, probably not within the next five to 10 years to allow kind of like what Nick was referencing, the collective coming together. And the reason I say that I don't know is because I wouldn't know any of the players who would be able to step into that position. I think going off of what Nick said, I I do think it's going to have to be more of a collective, but I think if any one person was going to try to fill that role, I 
I could see someone like LeBron doing it, mm-hmm. but I do think that, you know, I agree with Nick. It's going to have to be more of a collective. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it and even, even in his passing, people referred to him as like the ultimate, you know, girl dad. It was even more deeper than that. He championed the growth of female athletics. So kind of like our interview that's going to come out on Monday, there are people out there that are kind of following in his footsteps and, or even branching off from what he did and trying to help women feel comfortable and feel supported and get the proper training and everything across this country because we do put we do put a lot more into our into our male dominated sports and you know women do still deserve the same opportunity to compete at a high level especially at a professional level not many people probably know but there is a professional women's soccer league (laughs) in this country but it's not something that's like really broadcasted about as well either so I mean, we've seen the struggles that the WNBA has had over the years, especially since its inception. But to lose somebody who was that big of a champion for women's athletics is hard to fill. And they would need a lot of people to step up and come together to fill those shoes. Not to end such a great conversation so far, but I would like to move on to our next topic. That topic being, in an earlier episode, we had discussed the idea of the NBA expanding into other cities. If the WNBA were to expand, what cities would they go to and why? I picked Columbus, Nashville, and Oakland. I picked Columbus because I think that Columbus is very much a underdog sports city. So a sport that needs a fan base that is going to be dedicated at all costs, I think that's something that the WNBA needs, and I think Columbus would be a good spot for that. We saw how they saved the Columbus crew from leaving, and I think that if you put a team here and people could get behind it, that they would support it 100%. I thought Nashville is a little bit of an out-of-box one. They do have the, the Predators there. So I, again, I think that that is a city that's big enough and there's not many pro teams within Tennessee. So I think that that would be a good opportunity for the WNBA to kind of crack that fan base um, and see if they could attract some people over to come watch games as well. And then I think Oakland is kind of a perfect spot if they could put a team there that might be a little bit flashy and to kind of fill that spot of the, the Golden State Warriors that kind of just left and went across the, the bridge there. <laughs> so they, they, they do love basketball. They love their Warriors still. But to put a team there that could maybe fill that void, that's kind of a sketchier one because we have seen the exodus of teams over the past five years. But I think a team like that, like an underdog kind of organization, would do pretty well there as well too So because they, they're pretty diehard fans. So my list is- – starts off kind of similar to yours. I'm going with the city on the other end of that bridge. Instead of Oakland, I'm going to go with San Francisco, um, just because it is such a big basketball market. Like you said, they do love their Warriors. So I think any sort of pro basketball is going to do pretty well in San Francisco. And plus, I mean, they're pretty rich over there. So they got, they got a bunch of money to spend on going to a bunch of WNBA and NBA games. The next city that I have is Toronto. Um, WNBA ratings have done have done nothing but increase in Canada over the last couple of years. And with Toronto being the fourth biggest city in North America, I think it's 
if you're going to put a team in Canada, Toronto is really the only city that I would consider right now putting a team. And then my last city that I had is Louisville. A few years ago, the Louisville City Council actually approved a resolution to try to draw an NBA or WNBA team into the city. There's already a want for a WNBA franchise within the city. They already have arenas built that a team could just move into. So I think Louisville would be a great fit. All right. For me, I kind of agree with Dom in the sense for Toronto. And plus they have the the arenas already set in place. They already have an NBA team that does already do pretty good for itself, even though basketball is not the main sport of Canada. And I think that the people living in the Toronto area would be open to the idea of having a women's professional team located there. My next city would be Cleveland. They have the stadium already there to hold the team in place. And at one point, the city already had a WNBA team that unfortunately folded. But I'm sure that the the people living in the Cleveland area would like to see that team back in the city once again. And then my third kind of off-the-wall city, sort of, would probably be Vancouver. They have the team facilities already there. And since the NBA is already looking to be in Vancouver, there is a good chance WNBA can also succeed there as well as the NBA. All right, now moving on to our Twitter poll. Would the WNBA be as popular as the NBA? Now, this was an even 50-50 split. 50% of you had said yes. 50% of you had said no. Like us, it could have gone either way. And now to finally move on to our final thoughts, starting with Dom. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks for having me on for another episode. I'm glad we got to talk about the WNBA just because it is a sport that doesn't really get the attention that it deserves. It's a it's a league that's growing in popularity. You know, TV ratings have been going up and I can see the league really growing in the next couple of years. So I'm it's cool that we got to talk about it now and kind of kind of give our opinions of where the league could be going in a couple of years. Um, but it's also going to be cool to to watch it grow because I do think the future is bright for this league. I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that make the comments of, you know, they do the same thing, but they don't get paid the same as uh, their male counterparts. And But the problem is, is that people aren't backing it up by going to their games or by watching them on TV. So I think it's super important over the next five to 10 years to really, really try to strive to do those kinds of things you know, try to go to their games, try to watch them on TV. Even if you're not watching it, just try to have it on in the background, give them those ratings so that it does help them. So eventually they can break out of that minimum of $110,000 that we're talking about that they make. Because when you talk about people within our the developmental league or the NBA, they make, if not as much, sometimes more than they do in the WNBA. That's their pro league. So it it's it's definitely growing. It's definitely increasing its you know viewership like dom said and they are gaining more stars but it is going to be more of a collective group effort going forward and it's not just going to be the big name athletes that we know today it's going to be us as as a country as a world as well too that is really going to have to dive in and support them and support the growth of not just women in basketball but women within athletics as well 
I think it has the potential of being as popular, if not even more popular than the NBA, if given the chance to. So like Nick and Dom has have said, it really takes us all to kind of move this thing forward. Thank you guys for coming on to another great episode. It was an episode filled with great conversation. And to our listeners, be on the lookout for an episode to come out Monday. For we have an interview with the co-founders of the Northeast Ohio Women's Sport Alliance. It was definitely a great conversation. So be on the lookout for that come Monday. And with that, we are Deep Dive Sport. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.